Welcome to Talking Facts, what you need to know about family, food, finance, and fitness. Hosted by the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program, our educators share research knowledge with individuals, families, and communities to improve quality of life. Hello and welcome to Talking Facts. This is your host, Dr. Jennifer Hunter, Assistant Director for Family Consumer Sciences Extension at the University of Kentucky. Today, I'm pleased to have joined me Dr. Audrey Darwill of the University of Kentucky College of Nursing. Welcome, Audrey. How are you doing today? Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to talking with you today. So today, we're really going to focus on the topic of quitting nicotine, that I think we all know that nicotine is and addictive substance, and it can be something that once someone starts, it can be pretty hard to quit. But we're going to start and kick off with probably a most basic question. Uh, When we think about nicotine, we think about tobacco products. So can you define a tobacco product for us? Sure. So we know that virtually all nicotine is derived from tobacco plants. And so any substance, and this includes e-cigarettes, which is where some of the line has become blurred now, are derived from tobacco plant, uh, are a derivative of tobacco plants. And so even nicotine replacement, the nicotine in those products comes from uh, tobacco. However, they are not considered necessarily a tobacco product. They're a therapeutic agent. So the lines have gotten very blurred here recently between e-cigarettes, which people are trying to use to quit smoking, nicotine replacement, and tobacco. And I think there's been a lot of confusion as to, you know, which is better, which is worse. They're all tobacco products in terms of cigarettes, cigars, e-cigarettes, hookah, you know, some of those items as well. But nicotine replacement are therapeutic products and not considered tobacco products. So when we talk about some of those, and I guess at one time they would have been considered less mainstream tobacco products, but maybe becoming more and more popular now, like e-cigarettes and and vapes. You mentioned just a, a minute ago that sometimes people use those as a replacement for a traditional tobacco product and trying to quit. Are those more safe than traditional tobacco products, or is it all about the same, or how does that even work? Yeah, so relatively speaking, I think it's hard to find anything that's more harmful to our health than a cigarette. We know that five out of 10 people who use a traditional tobacco product, such as smoking a cigarette, eventually die of an illness that can be prevented by quitting. So that's a pretty deadly product for the long haul. So when we look at e-cigarettes, they're not as deadly as we know tobacco cigarettes to be, combustible cigarettes, but we do know that they're not without risk. And the problem with e-cigarettes and the lack of FDA testing, regulation, labeling requirements, all those things that go along with making sure that we know what we're getting when we buy a certain product, don't apply it to e-cigarettes. So there's a lot we don't know about e-cigarettes. We do know that there are some harmful chemicals, and we do know based on, I'm sure everyone's been aware of the news about, you know, the tragic deaths uh, yes. with the lung e-cigarette e- e- and vaping um, associated lung injury or EVALI, um, E-V-A-L-I is the term that the CDC has used for that. So we do know that there is risk associated with it, but the numbers of deaths associated with e-cigarette use pale in comparison to the number of deaths associated with cigarette use. So it's a, it's a continuum. It's not that one is, you know, harmless. Right. That that they both come with, they both come with certain risks and the risks are actually different. And I think that's another important distinction to make is that, 
you know, um, the risks from cigarette use are somewhat different than the risks associated with electronic cigarette use or vaping. The biggest risk actually comes from people who are using both products. And a lot of the concern about people using electronic cigarettes or vaping to replace cigarettes is that if they don't replace them completely, then they're almost getting a, a boosted risk, uh, an elevated risk, because they're getting the risk associated with the conventional tobacco product use and the e-cigarette use on top of that. So that's interesting. That's not something that I heard before because I can't think of individuals that I know that they do kind of go back and forth mm-hmm. in an effort to try and quit or to try and reduce the amount of, I guess, traditional cigarettes that they that they may smoke. So that's I think that that's a really interesting point to share with our, our listeners today. Are e-cigarettes and vapes just as addictive as traditional tobacco products? Some uh, research is indicating that they may be more addictive. What's happened with the latest form of e-cigarettes, most people know them by the product name Juul. Yes. Um, pod, we call them pod-based devices. And the game changer for these devices is that the nicotine delivery, without getting too much into the chemistry, has actually, the nicotine has been changed to a nicotine salt. And that salt can become highly concentrated in that liquid. So we know that e-cigarette juice, the juice that's in there, is a concentration that is the equivalent amount of nicotine as you would find in a pack of cigarettes. So one pod, nicotine in one pod is the equivalent of the nicotine in a pack of cigarettes. Wow. I know. And we've recorded podcasts recently about e-cigarettes and vaping, especially targeted towards youth. Mm-hmm. Um, our listeners know, or at least those that listen often, that I have a I have a high schooler at, at home. And so I know that that is one thing that he's mentioned quite a bit is just the prevalence of use within within high school age students or even on the bus or the bathroom at school. Just just really and truly a, a significant concern and one that we've talked quite a bit about home, at home and the, and the dangers and the risks associated with any type of tobacco product use. Sure. And the, and the risk is really, you know, for youth, it's the addiction to the nicotine. And one of the things that the studies are showing is that youth, because uh, e-cigarettes and vaping devices are, they're getting better, but they're not really greatly efficient um, devices for delivering nicotine, is that there seems to be a progression from vaping to conventional cigarette use. And we just haven't been at this long enough to know what that means. But we have had you know decades of youth tobacco use going right. down, and now we're concerned that it's going to start to end up again. Yeah. And, you know, just to kind of segue into, you know, our topic today, you know, we're talking about quitting nicotine. You know, one of the challenges is that there are these multiple products that people are using with the electronic cigarettes and the vaping devices. We don't really know exactly how much nicotine people are getting and you were asking about, you know, the concentration or how much nicotine, you know, they're getting. And there is some evidence that youth are getting very significant exposure to high levels of nicotine at young ages, which in fact, you know, may make it a lot harder for them to quit in the long run. Yeah, I I think all the unknowns as a parent just make it so much more scary. Sure. Um, 
And, and so as you kind of alluded to a little bit about the amounts of nicotine and addiction, how can an individual tell if they have become addicted to nicotine? Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a couple ways. Probably the main way is to determine, are you having withdrawal symptoms when you don't have access to either you know, whatever nicotine product that you're using, whether it be cigarettes, cigars, even vaping devices, Withdrawal symptoms um, include feeling kind of edgy, irritable, nervous. A lot of times people will smoke or use a tobacco product because they feel like it calms their nerves when basically what they're doing is they're treating their withdrawal symptoms to the nicotine. So poor concentration is another symptom of nicotine withdrawal. So, for example, we see in you know over-the-road uh, truck drivers that a lot of times they'll smoke because the withdrawal causes them not to be able to stay focused or as alert as they would. So then they'll smoke not because the cigarette is not actually doing something to help them, but right. because it's sta- it's staving off the withdrawal. And that and that makes total sense. When someone is trying to quit the use of tobacco products. What works? What can help mm-hmm. people quit tobacco? Yeah. So there are some great evidence-based treatments for quitting tobacco products. And these include nicotine replacement products. As I said you know, earlier on, they're considered therapeutic agents. What they are is they're a controlled amount of nicotine that's given at a steady dose over, over a set amount of time. And, and the amounts are actually significantly lower than people tend to get in using any other type of tobacco product. The reason to do that is it gets the brain used to not having those big spikes of nicotine, and it gives you just sort of a steady amount that prevents people from having those withdrawal symptoms that that make them crave or feel like they have to have a cigarette. So nicotine uh, replacement products are very effective. We now know that combination nicotine replacement using a patch, a steady dose, and then a lozenge or a nicotine inhaler or uh, some nicotine gum in addition to that can can be very helpful. Using these products with adequate um, support or counseling, seeing a healthcare provider to provide some guidance on using these products can be very helpful. We know that almost doubles the quit rates when people use a combination of medication and some type of counseling. And then there are two other you know, medications um, besides the, the forms of nicotine replacement most people are familiar with Brenaclin, most commonly known as Chantix. They have the biggest okay, advertising budget. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we know a lot about that. But actually, studies have shown that Chantix is you know, a relatively safe medication. And it also is very effective. It's probably the most effective medication for um, treating nicotine withdrawal. And then the other medication is a medicine called bupropion. It was initially marketed as Zybian. People may know it as Wellbutrin. And that medication works well, also works best in combination with nicotine replacement. So as, as I'm listening to you talk, it certainly sounds like that if someone is interested in quitting tobacco products, that it is it is good to seek some help in this process that just waking up one day and saying, I'm not going to smoke anymore, doesn't necessarily lend itself to success. And we know that five out of 100 people who try to quit cold turkey, we call that cold turkey, they're not successful. So 95 out of 100 people benefit from having some help. People do quit cold turkey, but it's by far the minority of people that do. So the help, though, um, it, I think it's important to note, doesn't have to necessarily be a medical clinician. I, I would recommend it, but if you don't have access 
to, you know, uh, or easy access to see a healthcare provider. There's, um, there's a website called smokefree.gov, which has a lot of great information about quitting smoking, goes over a lot of these concepts that I'm talking about here and, and explains some of the treatments. You can buy the uh, nicotine replacement products, at least the patches, the gum, the lozenges over the counter. So you can get some uh, guidance and some assistance from some of these websites. Uh, make sure that they are a an evidence-based website. So that's why I talk about smokefree.gov. Right. Uh, becomeanx.org is another that is um, overseen by the Mayo Clinic, another great source of information. And there are also um, some links on those websites for apps or, you know, text-to-quit programs that are, again, evidence-based. One thing I do want to caution people about um, that a lot of people don't know is that the tobacco industry themselves have actually put together apps and text programs and websites to sort of, they say to help people quit, but of course their motivation is a little bit suspect. Different than (laughs) than the others. And so for our listeners, we will make certain that we link the websites that you have mentioned in our show notes so they can go back and reference that. And you've also provided us with additional links and websites if someone is interested in seeking out additional information that will also be linked within our show notes. Great. Audrey, thank you so much for for being with us today and for sharing with us. I found this topic to be quite informative and certainly uh, learned some new information. I hope our listeners have as well. Thank you. Can I add one other thing? Certainly. I just want everyone to know that the single best thing a person who smokes can do for their health and their lifetime is to quit. And there's help. We can help. Excellent. That's a great note to wrap up on. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Talking Facts. We deliver programs focusing on nutrition and health, resource management, family development, and civic engagement. If you enjoyed today's podcast, have a question, or a show topic idea, leave a like and comment on Facebook at UKFCSEXT. Visit us online at fcs.uky.edu to learn more about the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program or contact your local extension agent for family and consumer sciences. We build strong families. It starts with us.